Good afternoon, everyone. I hope you're all well. Um, thank you so much for joining. I'm Parveen Danda, Ecosystem Director at Innovate Finance. So diversity and inclusion has been an ongoing cause for the financial sector. And despite support for the LGBTQIA plus community making certain strides, uh, there is still steps to take to promote a culture of inclusivity and create a LGBTQIA plus policies that um, allow a diverse workforce to thrive. So today our guest speakers will be discussing the challenges, the pitfalls, the opportunities in cultivating an LGBTQIA plus um, inclusive culture for your organization. And I am delighted and really super excited to welcome Lou Smith, Chair of Innovate Finance. Hi, Lou. And Hi, uh, thank you. And Ian Anderson, Exec Chair for Cicero AMO, and who is also a board member at Innovate Finance and is also the former government LGBT business champion. So hello, Ian. Great to be with everyone. I'm sorry I'm not in in uh, televisual format. Uh, <laughs> um, the joy of technology. Hey, at a tech event. But anyway, we're here. <laughs> well, there you go. And I, I'm really grateful for for you for you both for joining. Um, and you're you know both phenomenal, absolutely in terms of what you what you do and what you've done in the past, and are real sort of champions and advocates um, in the LGBTQ. Uh, community and uh, just to let you know this event will be recorded and we will be releasing it um, as a podcast in the coming weeks as a special episode as well so as Ian mentioned unfortunately can't see him due to technical uh, difficulties but you know this gives an opportunity to listen to the podcast to share it with your colleagues and your friends as well so without no further ado I would like to pass you over to Ian and Lou so let's just to kick start, um, Lou, could you kindly introduce yourself? Of course. Thank um, you. It's, it's fabulous to be here. And apologies, I've got a little bit of a, of a cold, as you can probably tell at the moment. So in terms of, um, I'm Lou Smith. I'm very privileged, as I say, all the time to be um, part of the Innovate Finance team uh, as the current chair, which is as I say, it's a real privilege to work with this community and the team. Um, and I'm also working in the insurance sector at the moment. I've been in financial services for 30 years. I've realized I have to start rounding up now uh, where we were doing digital and innovation uh, many, many years ago. We just didn't call it that then. Um, so I've been working in the financial services industry for all my career. Um, and been very privileged to lead a number of roles within Barclays, um, NatWest and RBS, um, and also Lloyds of London. And then more recently, I'm part of uh, WTW within the insurance side. I'm also uh, work with a lot of the startup community. And uh, Parveen, as you know, um, in terms of diversity in its broadest sense and deepest sense, it's something that I'm massively passionate about because I think we have so much to do, which I know we're going to get into um, in terms of how are we making this industry more accessible for talent so that we can make it more accessible for customers. So it's something that I was delighted and also to get the opportunity to be on here with Ian, who has some incredible 
perspectives and experience in this space about what more can we do? Because I think there's still a lot to do. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Lou. Ian? Well, look, um, Lou's teed it up re really well. Um, so I'm, I'm Ian Anderson. Um, I'm chair of Cicero AMO, which is um, a kind of leading public policy and communications and research uh, business, founded that business about um, just over 20 years ago now, and um, recently taken Cicero into being part of um, Havas uh, and the Vivendi Group, which has created massive kind of global opportunities um, for us. But I suppose actually one of the reasons why um, I wanted to set up my own business um, at the start of the noughties was that like many LGBT plus people, um, you know, sometimes it's easier to be you by creating your own entity. And there may be many folks in the in the fintech ecosystem that, that feel the same the same way, the reason that they went to go and set up their own organizations or the, the, the reason that they've been attracted to some startups and, and scale-ups is because um, they can do it the way that they want to do it. They can create the culture that they want to create. And maybe we'll talk a, a bit about culture um, along the way. We're, look, we're having this conversation as well. Um, in in the 50th anniversary of the first ever pride march um certainly in in in, in england um and it was only just a year before i was born in the late 1960s where homosexuality was decriminalized so you know i think about my own life journey i kind of moved from the media world the world of journalism the world of politics um, into what, what I do, what I do now, and I'm really, really thrilled to join Lou as a non-exec on on the Innovate Finance Board to to help uh, the, the sector. I also um, am a Stonewall ambassador, and as Bobby New said, I until recently was the UK government's first ever LGBT business champion. Um, we have made so much progress in the last 50 years, but um, there's a heck of a lot more to do and yeah to sort of inject a note of um, controversy maybe maybe not controversy let's see how the conversation goes um, I, I think we, we, we do need to have a conversation about whether or not we're still going forward in terms of progress around diversity you look at current headlines and I think there's lots of questions as to whether or not we are well, Ian, that's a perfect segue then. In a way, you've, you've asked the question that I'd like to, dis, you know, to discuss, right? So from your point of view, um, and, and thank you both for, for your intro, you know, it shows that there's been a wealth of experience, um, you know, in the past. But for you, do you believe, what, what do you believe, what progress, do you believe that still needs to be made? Or or maybe let me ask you in a different way. What concerns you right now in terms of the, the world that we're living in right now as well? Yeah, well, look, look, let, let, let's start with the positive. Let, let's absolutely start with the positive. You know, when I first came into the world of work, um, uh, things were very different. Um, you know, there were no support groups. There was no mentoring. There were no allied programs um in fact i wasn't out <laughs> i was out to um friends um, like many 
um, LGBTQ um, uh, plus folks. Um, I, I then came out to family after I'd come out to my friends. Um, uh, but I wasn't out at work because I didn't know what the reaction would be. There was nobody that was out in, in my workplace um, at, at that time, um, even in the early 90s. Uh, and um, it felt pretty lonely. You were, um, you know, you, you were to some extent um, living a double life uh, because you just didn't know how people were going to react. Um, fast forward to now, and there's a heck of a lot of progress. There's a heck of a lot of support um, um, at work, um, and, and that's fantastic. But, but it, it only goes so far. Is it always on? I think people sometimes do question whether or not organizations always have a commitment uh, towards both social and um, diverse progress um, um, at, at work. Um, and part of the reason why I stepped back from the role I was really really enjoying as the, the first ever UK um, LGBT business champion was because you know, government had made commitments um, to be inclusive across the LGBTQ um, community. Uh, and I felt that that wasn't happening. I felt I needed to make a point and I, I felt I needed to, to kind of push forward. So, you know, there are serious examples as about whether or not we, we, we may be going backwards and sort of finally, I mean, I'm, I'm literally just back from a week in America. And well, I, I actually think the ESG agenda, the environmental, social and governance agenda really is a way of locking in long term um, the diversity and inclusion agenda because companies are looking for uh, what their social commitments could uh, and should shape up uh, like. But but when I talked to Republican uh, lawmakers um, on Capitol Hill, they weren't interested in talking about ESG. They were talking about value, not values. When I talked to Democratic lawmakers, they wanted to ask the question, why Why is the sector, why are businesses not going even faster? So um, some of our agenda is being caught by raw politics again. And um, you know, I think we need to be upfront about that. Okay. Lou, do you have any comments? Yeah, I do. I mean, firstly, can I just say a massive thank you to Ian for sharing that? Because... There's so many elements to what he said that are really important to understand where we've moved from and to. Um, and I think it's always good in balance, as you know, to start with what progress are we making? And then I'll talk about, in answer to your question, maybe some of the things that Ian's touched on in terms of where we are today. I had a very similar path to Ian. Um, I came out to my friends first. To be honest, I came out to myself first because... I think one of the things you I couldn't realise is why some of that felt different. We certainly didn't speak about it in schools when I was there. It wasn't a conversation you had. In fact, it was used as a weapon, um, the phrasing that people used to call you. Um, and, you know, probably part of me shut elements of that off, if I'm being really truthful. Um, and by shutting elements off, you go down different paths in how you work, how you study, the things you do. And I probably kept very 
private at school. I didn't have a ton of friends or anything like that. So to some respect, it could have been quite isolating. And I think now we have dialogue about it in schools. I've got godchildren who are working through their sexuality as we speak, but at least they have the opportunity to talk about it. I don't think it's any easier. In fact, in some degrees, it's it's harder, but it is different. But there is a dialogue. I then came out at work, and I've talked about this before, and I came out at work, and actually at the time, it didn't feel wrong how what forced me to do that. I did it so nobody could ever use it against me. Now, in some respects, that's quite sad because actually I didn't come out because I felt like I need to do this. I felt like I needed to do this because I didn't want anybody to ever use it against me. And I did it in Barclays fairly early on. I probably did it a little bit jokingly and a little bit lightheartedly. In fact, most people around me said, well, thank goodness now we can have an open conversation about it because, you know, admittedly, and I've talked about this before, I dressed a certain way to fit in. Yes, I had a perm. There is a photograph. I wore Laura Ashley dresses, which you can't actually imagine that. I think I had a pair of slingbacks and court heels, which, you know, and you think about it now. We've, we've all had those. We've all had those. We've all had those. <laughs> I'll share the pictures one day. And actually... <laughs> So you, and as Ian says, you, you, you fit in as much, or you perceive you're fitting in as best as you can. And I had a pretend boyfriend um, called Dave, who, you know, I was a six foot two South African called Jenny. Do you know? But it was, it was, it was creating this persona. And as Ian said, we all probably followed that path um, because we're probably from that similar group. And where we could, we may try to push different, uh, perspectives forward, that changes forward. There were no alloys. There was no Pride Month into mm. a degree. I know that we could argue that that sea of change we see on LinkedIn in Pride Month when everybody changes their brands and how real is it? But actually, at least it's moving us forward to a degree. And we'll come back to some of that, no doubt. But I think that it is important to look at where we've come from I also walked Pride in Delhi and I realised it was about 2018 and that was still illegal. Mm. And you can't, and there's still many places where it is. And there's so much I feel that I no longer have to dress a certain way. I dress as I am. I'm comfortable with who I am. And that's taken me a long time, actually, as well as, you know, what you then have to do around you in terms of being that person. I hear Ian's story very often about not just with the LGBTQ uh, plus community, but also around people setting up businesses because they want to create a pocket of the culture where they feel like they can be themselves or whatever difference that looks like, even socioeconomic, neurodiversity, ethnic diversity. So there's all sorts of reasons why culture actually pushes people to do things themselves where they can actually be themselves and i think we're hearing that more often these days and having worked in big organizations for 30 years that's the hardest thing to turn is culture in any in any uh, part so i think in terms of we have made huge steps forward 
Um, but is it enough? And the answer is no. But I say that not just about LGBTQ+. I say that about so many different things. And you can argue, as Ian said, with recent headlines, you can't, even though we make progress, we're still defending things that have happened and we're having to go back and look at them again, which is, and it's fundamentally taking away those rights of individuals to choose and to be who they are. And I, I worry when I see some of those headlines and I've seen some of the recent rhetoric as a result, it's, you know, that we're even starting to talk about this community again about should that be re-looked at? And that can't be right. And Ian's right. I think the political agenda, again, is actually dominating the debate. And that worries me. That worries me a lot. So I think we should acknowledge progress, and that's good. But there's also some worrying signals, and there's also a lot more to do. Uh, and I say that, as I say, not just about this community, but also in its broadest sense. So I think probably similar similar paths to to Ian and obviously similar outfits for some degree. Well, there's so much in there and I don't even know where to start because also I forgot to mention, my apologies, if you have any questions for Ian and and Lou, please put them in, in the chat. Um, you know, please please do do ask. You know, there's a lot there actually. Uh, that you could unpick and and thank you for sharing your journey and and in a way it sounds so shocking in 2022 to hear you know the journey that you both went through but it doesn't surprise me of remembering you know that time and that era as well so it's great that you acknowledge that things have moved on but you you both touched on and I think it's where we are in the world um the political agenda what do you feel that companies can or individuals can do in regards to um, the political agenda? So, I mean, my answer to that, Marvin, is, um, uh, you know, er earlier this year, when I stepped back from the, um, the UK-wide role um, on uh, LGBT uh, at work, um, one of the things I wasn't sure um, was as to what was going to be the reaction from businesses. I'd been working with lots of businesses in lots of different sectors and actually trying to get to sectors that are not usually part of this conversation. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, broadly, actually financial services, I think Lou would probably um, agree with me, you know, has, has come on leaps and bounds from when we first entered the workplace. I think we've both hinted at that. Um, but there are some other sectors that are manufacturing, um, um, transport, uh, oil and gas that are, um, you know, still not really the areas of, not really been areas of focus. And that's one of the things I was trying to do in the, in the cross-sectoral um, kind of UK government wide role. But the, the thing that makes me, that made me very, very hopeful was um, the reaction from business when I uh, stepped back on, on the issue of inclusivity. Um, and actually, businesses large and small um, were incredibly supportive of the stance that, that I'd taken. I mean, so, so supportive that they actually decided as well to 
back away from the planned. And this is the real tragedy of, of what happened in policy terms. Um, they, they backed away from the global um, UK, the first ever global um, UK LGBT conference, which was actually due to be starting tomorrow if it had happened. Um, so, um, you know, within that, there was a real prize there around uh, getting companies to sign up to a business commitment, um, a tangible uh, look at not just what's happening in their own organizations, but but also um, what's happening in their supply chains and seeing if they can work their supply chains faster for diversity than they can work uh, their own organizations, but also looking to create change in um, you know the 70 plus countries where it is still absolutely not safe to be uh, LGBTQ+. So, um, you know, sadly that hasn't happened, but I actually have an awful lot of hope that, um, uh, that, that there can still be a lot of progress. Um, but, you know, my overall point is that I think business is ahead of the politicians on this. I, I actually think the electorate is... Um, uh, ahead of the politicians on this, I think there's still uh, there are still some politicians that that think that playing a sort of wedge between parts of the LGBT community, um, or indeed creating a wedge between the LGBT community um, and the rest of society, is good politics. All the polling demonstrates that the vast, vast majority of people want to see uh, social progress. So I think some of those politicians have got it wrong. Um, what our job is, um, as business people, um, is to both create the right environments in our businesses and in our supply chains, but frankly keep telling those politicians that they've got it wrong. I couldn't agree. Just on that, I couldn't agree with Ian more. I actually, that's why we see the reactions that we see. The one thing that I've seen in the last couple of years is that entire relationship change that people have with their employers. It's no longer acceptable not to have a view and a voice on this. And we see that power in so many different ways. And I think Ian is bang on right. I think people want to see social change and also social change drives economic change. But actually, I think there's, I see such a difference now. And I think actually to some degree it's happened in the last two years on the backdrop of obviously COVID-19 and the pandemic, Brexit, the worst international conflict we've seen for decades uh, and also when you think, and then obviously with the current cost of living crisis is around people no longer sit on the fence anymore, but they also don't expect their employers to. And if they do, then they vote and they move and actually, or they start something new. And actually that's the thing that I also see more pressure now is around um, is people that being ahead of, to Ian's point, the politician, and I actually think businesses, I think Ian's right, financial services all, I can't tell you how different it was to when I started, you know, nearly 30 years ago. I mean, it's it's moved significantly. I mean, I don't have to worry about what I wear. I don't have to worry about my pretend boyfriend called Dave. 
I don't have to worry about those things anymore. Um, yeah. And there are times where I still feel, and some of that's with me, I'll be honest, um, as well as the environment. So I think it's, uh, to Ian's point, I think that pressure and that change also gives me hope. When I also look at, and apologies, because I say this every time I speak, is I also look at people like Julia Hogger, who's the CEO of the London Stock Exchange, who is an incredible leader. And she just gives me hope. And there are other examples. And I also heard, had the opportunity to hear her speak so many times and also to see what she did hosting Diva um, as part of um, the LGBTQ plus community recently. <clears throat> Apologies, my voice goes a bit weird. But I think, I think there are signs that give me hope and we have to continue to push on those things that give us hope. But no, I agree with Ian wholeheartedly. And well, I, I want to ask a few more questions on, on culture, on ESG, which is something that Ian mentioned. And as you're both board members and chair governance around ESG, and what does that mean for the LGBTQ plus community? But we've got a question, a question's come through. And the question is, as an LGBT leader, what's your advice to the LGBT community working their way up in their careers in fintech? Ian, would you like to take, would you like to start? Yeah. Oh, sorry, I'm conscious that you can't see us. So yes, not? no, no, sorry. Yes, so, so no, thank you. Um, so look, I mean, the 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 first thing to to to, to say is I, I I wish I'd I wish I'd come out at work earlier. Um, it's a big regret. It's a big regret. Um, I could have probably done more, um, done more faster, um, um, achieved more, felt more fulfilled, um, but I didn't. Um, so so look, I mean, the environment is different. So. So the, you know, the, the first thing is, you know, I, I, listening into Lou and my, uh, on my journeys is, if the environment had been different, um, if the environment had been the environment of 2022, I'd, I'd just kind of get on with it. <laughs> um, and frankly, if the organisation doesn't embrace you because of that, then move on. Yeah, just move on. Um, but but I, I think the thing, you know. Um, more, more widely it is um, that that uh, you know, just being uh, being out at work um, it's not just about you it, it's it's also really 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 important um, for um, uh, colleagues and other LGBT folks at, at work in particular if 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 they can see you you can see them um, you, you can do things together. I mean, one of the most powerful things that, um, uh, you know, I've really, really taken an, an awful lot from this is both mentoring um, uh, folks and then also being mentored myself um, by um, by people who are kind of earlier in their careers. Um, reverse mentoring, I think they call it. Um, I'd never heard of it um, until a few years ago, but um, incredibly powerful and unlocks lots and lots and lots of um, opportunities. I think my final thought too is, is 
know, people talk a lot about allyship and it's it's sort of bandied around, but my goodness, it's important. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, there are some times that, you know, there are conversations that we want to have as an LGBTQ plus community uh, on our own. But but actually, I think at work, it's really important that this conversation is embedded um, uh, across the workplace, that everybody feels that they've got um, an opportunity to be, be part of the conversation. So go find that ally as well. Um, and, uh, you know, quite simply, everybody goes find uh, goes and finds an ally and you double, <laughs> you double the impact. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a probably my uh, top of mind thoughts. Just 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 go for it. Yeah, I've got three points and I'll avoid repeating. I think it's really funny. That's my biggest regret. I've had a really big birthday recently and I feel like so much, half of my life I never told anyone. And you start to think of that in context and it's like, it is my biggest regret um, because I was fearful. And that's my key point is if you can't be yourself, you owe that to yourself because when you're fearless and you work in fearless environments of people that support you, you can do incredible things. You really can. And it's how do leaders also create or people around you, peers, how your teams help you create fearless spaces. Because when we're fearless, we do incredible things. And when I think about that in the context of not just from a personal perspective and how I can live and do the things that I do, but from a work perspective, just think about, if I think about the industry in which I operate in, in financial services, just think about what we could do for more people, how we could give better access to financial services, how we can safer lending, better transparency around savings so that people can do what they want, get people on mortgage ladders and buying a home, better deals on pensions so that people can live. How they, the more we are fearless, the more greater things that we can do. And you owe that to yourself. And if you are, then as Ian said, walk because there are places that you will be welcomed as you and that is my biggest point I wish there are times not just you know I I always want to change the world and I always think I can because I'm also prepared to change myself but in terms of if you can't feel that and you just feel like at times it's too hard then go I'm going to pick up on yeah. the community oh sorry go on Ian Sorry, yeah, I, I was just going to say, I, I just to amplify, I, I really think, you know, there's so much innovation in fintech. I mean, fintech is all about innovation. In fact, the reason we've got the sector is because, um, you know, the existing players who'd been around for years um, uh, weren't innovating. <laughs> you know, the clue's in the name here. So, so I, I, there's a huge opportunity for the sector, not just to innovate for the LGBTQ plus community, but actually, you know, um, for all the reasons that we've talked about, for, you know, great LGBTQ plus entrepreneurs to really lead in the fintech sector. And I know that's something that, you know, Lou and I would take tremendous pride in. Yeah, and I, I'm going to have a challenge and ask of the fintech community as well, is you are the innovators. You are the people showing the path of how we can do more which is make this industry more accessible, more inclusive for customers and talent. 
please check on your cultures as you scale and as you change and as you grow. Because I, I, I think as organisations get bigger, it's important to keep that check. Are you still creating that environment for people? So my ask is that because I see shoots sometimes where I'm like, is it really? So my ask is for those, and I'll keep talking about this, is just keep, and I think that then falls into boards. I think we're going to see more diversity on boards and more challenge on boards around culture, which can only be a good thing. My other point would be around that could, this is also so important, not just in terms of the culture you create for people, but if somebody is left out of the room, it means a customer is left out of the room. So the check is, do you fully mirror the people that you serve? Because if you don't, then somebody's left out of the room. So check on that. And I mean in its full sense. And also diversity, inclusion goes with it. So diversity with a voice and listen to that voice so that you bring it to the table. And I think the fintech community have so much opportunity and, they've, and we've seen them do it around that space is how do we ensure that we don't leave those vulnerable customers, those diverse customers, those people who, because life happens, things change, you know, things happen. I've talked about this again in the context of my brother. Things happen to people, but it doesn't make them bad. His credit history is terrible because he lost his daughter, not because he's bad. So it's how do we actually ensure that we capture people and work with them as life happens and then my last point and ian captured it lovely on allies but there was a fantastic article recently and it's um, my good friend leader glyptis who wrote about allyship and allyship is not about giving somebody your validity i validate you because i'm an ally it's about being in the fight not walking past when it's wrong, standing shoulder to shoulder with somebody when something isn't right and not allowing that to be okay. I've heard really worrying comments like, oh, well, it was racism with a little r. What does that even mean? It's not racism with it. It's racism or it's homophobia or it's something that we can't walk past. If it's not right, stand with people and challenge it. And it might be education, it might be clumsiness, it might be all of those things, because I genuinely believe people aren't bad. I think nobody has, you know, I could be proven wrong and I understand that. But it's about how allies are so critical in sponsoring, in mentoring, in raising a voice, but also not walking past. So those are my asks of the fintech community or anybody working in this industry is i think we're at a really important tipping point and it doesn't take many people to tip something and i think you can see that power in so many different things at the moment yeah no absolutely absolutely i just want to unpick some of the uh, the, the things that you mentioned so one you mentioned about specific you know fintech scaling and so as we know, um, within fintechs, you know, they're hiring at such a pace. Is there any tips that you could both give in terms of how can you put those checks in place in terms of 
understanding your um, your culture? How do you scale your um, culture as well? And then also just in terms of how do fintechs go? So, you know, we, we, we talked about allyship. Um, we talked about uh, the, the culture, maybe sort of language around that culture. Should companies be going for training? Should they bring in a DNI expert in? How do they go about, you know, being sort of mindful in terms of embedding that as part of their culture? Ian, shall I? I'm always pausing for Ian because he can't see us. It's so tricky. Ian, do you want to go first? Bless you. No, thanks, both. It's um, like I think it's like when my my grandparents used to watch the snooker in black and white. It's really <laughs> tricky. Isn't it? I'm feeling very analog today. I have to say, um, everyone. Um, but anyway, I hope you can hear me uh, well and good. Um, the I think in terms of the recruitment piece and the culture piece, Mike. Um, you know, th- th- this is a two way street. I think you've got to kind of when you're bringing people into an organisation, both demonstrate what your culture is, but at the same time, um, see what you get back from those that, you know, are wanting to join, you know, how can they add to the culture? What fresh thoughts can they, uh, can they bring on board? Um, because culture is not a static thing, is it? Um, I mean, you know, we, we're talking here, we're talking here about economic and social progress. You know, those two things going hand in hand. Uh, it's not just sort of this piece that sort of sits um, uh, as an adjunct. And, and for the reasons that we've talked about in terms of the investor demand for ESG, which has only doubled down in the last two or three years, um, it's not gone backwards. It's gone, you know, even despite pandemics and whether or not, you know, people would have money for this stuff and you'd be able to lock in um, opportunities, it's it's only going in one, it's only going in one direction um but so so on the recruitment piece i think it's two way i think you're you're demonstrating your own culture but you're also seeking great ideas from those that um uh, you know you may bring on board in, in terms of how to deepen it and develop it yeah i mean you know i i think you can build um you know you can build um diversity and inclusion um, uh, into training, um, into understanding. I think, you know, like all providers, you should take a good hard look at who's offering what. And, you know, there are some folks out there that um, I think are absolutely leading in terms of thinking. There are others that uh, maybe are, are not quite so good. That's like any market. So I think you need to look at that. I think my final point, though, really is, um, just make sure you don't have pop-up people in uh, uh, and around this this theme. I, I've got to know um, the kind of hero of the LGBT uh, activist community uh, in many ways, uh, Peter Tatchell, over over the past um, uh, two three years. Now, Peter and I disagree about a lot, but what we do fundamentally agree about is the idea that sort of pop-up and uh, wrapping yourself in a rainbow flag just about the time of pride uh, makes everybody sceptical if you're not doing this all the time. Yeah, So um, avoid pop-up effects, make sure they're long-term effects. Um, culture is something that evolves. 
Yeah. Lou, anything to add? I mean, culture is such an interesting one, isn't it? Because you're always going to have one. It just depends whether it's the one you want or the one you intended. And I think as you grow and transform, that cultural piece is really critical because no matter what you do, whether you're scaling, whether you're delivering a big digital transformation, whether you're pivot, whatever, the, all of those things you can do. They're hard, but you can do them. And your business model will change, your sources of value will change, some will switch on, some will switch off. And then the third thing, so let's triangulate that around culture. It isn't static, as Ian says. It, it always needs to move. And culture isn't the laminate of I am fabulous and we are nice to each other in the lift. You know, we've all seen those where they're stuck on around organisations. Culture is that real core of, you know, do you work together collaborative of a team? Do you respect each other? Do you listen? Do you, you know, drive forward with their ego agenda or politics in an organisation? Those are the things that you, you test. And can you be who you are without fear? And can you challenge? Can you say things? So culture will always be something, and it's whether it's the one you intended. It's the hardest thing, but it's the most important thing. And we see some fabulous examples of this, and we see some fabulous leaders in our industry, and some who've mentored and sponsored me, and some I've looked at and gone, how do I, how do I even be half that good? And we're very lucky to have some of those people on our board. And if you want to talk about leadership, and bringing somebody like thousands of people with you. You don't need to look any further than Parveen Kaur, who sits on our, our board, who, who's an incredible leader. And uh, she's been one of my mentors who's helped me with that. So I think it's, it's that thing, as Ian says, you've got to check and test it. I think there's going to be a big accountability with boards moving forward around not just the... Um, financial performance of an organisation um, and also the growth of an organisation and the strategic direction of the organisation, but also what's happening with that culture and and, and behaviour. I think that's going to be really critical as we, as we kind of move forward. Uh, it's the biggest area we have to turn. I think the other bit is we're seeing more from you know, the generation coming through now into the workplace, as I say, they there's less tolerance, I think, which is a good thing. And there's more opportunity with some of the leaders that I see come through now where this is their highest priority. They don't just say our people, they genuinely mean it. My, I will echo Ian's point. I, I love Pride Month because it's a fabulous time to talk about some of these things, but it isn't just for June. It's it's what do you do all year? And it's not just pride. It's actually everything around difference or diversity or ensuring that you have an inclusive workforce and an inclusive way in which you operate is you've got to work at it and you've got to work at it day in, day out. And you've got to talk about when it doesn't go right, you know, because it, it doesn't. Yeah. How do you... Because it, it's, it also sounds exhausting. You know, you talked about where we are in, in the world and there has been a, a question which I'll, I'll come on to 
But everything, you know, you you mentioned Brexit, then COVID, then the war in yeah. Ukraine. You know, there's a lot going on yeah. in the world. There's yeah. a lot going on personally for, yeah. for everyone as well. And then, but how do you manage that from a, a mental health space in terms of... Um, yeah. yeah, and it's... And I, I don't have all the answers. I'm going to be really open with you. Mm. I just feel that we have to talk about these things and we have to admit when we're worried about them and we have to talk about when we're worried about them. And as leaders in organisations, it's important you acknowledge things. Yeah. You know, I mean, look at what happened in COVID around mental health. You know, we let everybody into our homes and the doorbells are going and the dogs are barking and the kids are interrupting. And we didn't always dress the way we dressed, you know. And we kind of all got to a point where we were like, actually, this is me. This is what I am. Yeah. You know, and by the way, I can't do team schools from 8 a.m. till 5.30 a.m. It's exhausting. And... You know, I'm struggling and I'm trying to, you know, school the kids. I'm trying to just actually be. And I think we opened up a dialogue for people. We didn't always get it right. We didn't always, in, you know, those are the people we could talk to about it. And then there was a group of people, which are the group that worries me more, is those people that don't talk or don't say is, how are you reaching out to those people to say, because they might need something different. Mm. But I see more people, still not enough, but I see more people at least recognising that and having an open conversation about what does this mean? How is this impacting you? What can we do more? And I think we have to continue that dialogue. And half the challenge is, is at least opening up the conversation, but recognising different people will respond to that in different ways and not one size fits all. Ian might have other things to build on top of that in terms of what more can we do. But I'm going to say, you know, what Parvin, it, it, it is exhausting. You yeah. can't because it's it's fundamental and you have to keep working at it. We And that's, you know, as, as hard as a digital transformation is or delivering the widget in your different phases of a life cycle when you get to certain bits, this is more important. You've got to keep at it and you've got to keep pushing through and you've got to create a resilient, flexible, adaptable, responsive workforce so that you can actually move through this. We've got to keep pushing forward. So, you know, and I can't see that stopping right now. You know, I don't know whether you've got some builds or some thoughts. Well, I think um, great people do great things uh, and we have a great sector. And um, I was listening the other day to, I think, um, because I geek out on politics, as, as Lou knows, um, um, it is something, uh, so, someone making the point, well, you know, um, there's a lot to deal with right now, and how do we do this? And I think, well, actually, you know, um, we created um, uh, a, a welfare system in this country. We created a national health service in this country out of the cataclysms of the Second World War. You know, uh, people seem to be able to do two or three things at once. So, look, I, I think there's an opportunity here. Uh, you know, we've alluded to it earlier in this podcast in terms of um, 
you know, part of the reason why people are attracted to this sector is they want to lead and they want to do new and innovative stuff. I think this applies to this area as much as it does to any other part of um, um, financial services. And, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I just think at the end by saying that there's a real opportunity uh, for the sector here to lead. So let's just go for it. Love it. Thank you. One uh, quick question and then we're going to wrap up. But um, we've had a question uh, come through. So saying in light of what's happening in the USA in terms of women's rights being limited by the Supreme Court, do you think that the gov UK government is doing enough to protect minor minorities' rights, including LGBT rights, and ensure that these communities thrive? And I'm going to pass that over to Ian. I thought you might. Um, so, look, um, I think that um, uh, I want to go back to this point we made earlier that, you know, yeah. we, we just need to remain vigilant um, on, on this. Um, you know, the reason I stepped back was because uh, from my um, UK wide rule uh, on LGBT rights was that um, you know, in, in the space of an evening, the government decided to um, rescind what it was planning to do on terms of banning conversion therapy for LGBT people. I mean, that's an abhorrent process. It's basically trying to teach people, uh, to you know, teach the gay out of, of them. And um, people should be allowed to make their own choices. Um, only three hours later on the same evening, they decided to continue um, with the plans on conversion therapy, although we're still to see the legislation, but to remove those rights for transgender people um, or to continue to look at the, uh, what was what's going to take place for tr transgender people. Trans transgender people, LGBT people, uh, have been waiting for years now to get this conversion therapy uh, legislation through. So look, the, the broad point I would make is that I think whoever's in power, whoever holds the reign of power, left, right, or um, everybody in between, we just need to keep holding policymakers to account and demonstrating that the vast, vast, vast majority of people um, actually want to see social uh, uh, and diverse progress. Brilliant. Well, look, thank you so much to you both. I really, I mean, it's been hugely insightful to me um, and quite horrific, actually, just in, in, you know, just listening to both of your stories and, you know, what's going on. Is there any sort of, um, I know, Lou, you mentioned that what you'd like sort of fintechs to do, but I would like to pass to you both. Are there any sort of... Um, comments that you would like to share with our audience is there anything that we haven't discussed or like to dive in a bit deeper Lou, I, think we've I think we've covered quite a, i think we've covered quite a lot of it um i no. I, I you know just just um um don't pop up be there all the time um Think about what it means. I think in a in a wider than DNI sense, it's also about ESG, a meaningful social part of ESG. Fire up the allies, fire up the mentoring, um, and, and yeah, let's just really see what the sector can do to advance change. 
Thank you. Yeah, but but also and keep these things in balance, otherwise they become very difficult, however hard things are, are as well in terms of some of this. I think Ian's talked about the opportunity. I, I Again, I'll come back to the three points I've made. If it's not right for you and you've tried and you've pushed, then move, you know, because that's a biggest signal around culture. Secondly, allies, you are so important. You really are. And as Ian said, be there all the time and be there when it's hard and be there when it's not right and challenge it and help talk about these things and create those environments and sponsors and mentors. Try and understand some of those challenges because you're a critical part. So everybody is critical for how we move forward on all points of diversity, actually. Um, and we can change anything if we want to. I genuinely believe that. And as, as Ian has talked about more eloquently than me, I think people are pushing so hard now socially around when things aren't acceptable. And we need to continue to push that because it will drive the social change we are desperately looking for. And I think, as, as Ian has said, we're, we're ahead on that. So uh, I'm really I'm really delighted you invited us today, Parveen, and it's always a pleasure to to talk with Ian. Hopefully we've also not just trod on the path of what's right or wrong, to, but actually talked about some real examples. And there are experiences, well, they're not everybody's. Um, and uh, I think it's important that we do continue to talk about it. And to those people who drive change, and I see it every day, by the way, across this industry, um, thank you, because there are some incredible people in financial services who really drive change. And those DNI leaders who we see, um, and we know many of them who actually drive change, um, thank you. Uh, so I think, uh, as, as Ian says, let's look at some of the positive as well as how much more we have to do. Well, so, well, thank you to you both. Thank you for your, you know, in terms of sharing your experiences, but also, you know, the, the positive message as well. Um, and thank you so much to those that have been listening and asking questions as well. So as I mentioned, we will be releasing this as a special episode in the next few weeks. Um, and um, we look forward to uh, connecting with you soon for our uh, next uh, webinar as well. But Ian and Lou, thank you so much. Take care. Great to be here. Great to thank be you. Here. Thanks. Thanks Bye. a lot. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.